Hello and welcome back to the God Story Podcast. Today, episode 25, God, Romance and Crime. Our guest is international romance and crime novelist Natalie Walters, the author of Carol Award finalist Living Lies, whose new inspirational romance thriller, published by Ravel, a division of Baker Books in the States, is called Lights Out. And I quote from the publicity, CIA analyst Bryn Taylor has developed a new program to combat terrorism, and she has invited members of foreign intelligence agencies to America to foster cooperation between countries. Now, one of them, Egyptian spy Remon Riyad, is missing. She's forced to team up with an elite security team, the Strategic Neutralization and Protection Agency, to find the missing spy. The only problem is she must work with her ex-boyfriend, Jack Hudson. What follows is a plot of kidnapping, murder, explosions, and poisoning as the terrorists attempt to throw the world into chaos. Can Bryn surrender control to a man who doesn't trust her? And is Jack willing to risk his heart to hunt down the only person who can stop the global terrorist attack? Phew, Natalie Waters, <laughs> what a plot. <laughs> it's a mouthful. <laughs> Where did it come from? Well, so... The idea actually happened because we have um, my husband's in the military. We've we've been stationed all over the, the country and the world, and we've made friendships with people in uh, specific agencies throughout the United States and outside. And one of those friends just happened to tell me a story about how their um, their agency invited some foreign members of intel of of, in, of intelligence to the United States and one of them went missing for a weekend. And so they ended up getting the individual back and sent them back to their country. But I just thought, well, what if they didn't? And what if there was, it wasn't as simplistic as all of that? And there was actually a, a more sinister reason behind the disappearance. And I just let my imagination run wild. And it, the story grew from there. Spies have a habit of disappearing, apparently. I, they do. Interestingly enough, they kind of know they're, they're trained to do that. <laughs> they do. Now, you come from a long line of military and enforcement veterans, don't you? You're a military wife. You were stationed in Hawaii, I know, at some point. How has your background influenced and shaped the book? I think for me, um, being able to uh, have resources that that normal um, everyday authors wouldn't necessarily have, like I said before, being able to have made friends across the country, across the globe that are in different parts of, of the agencies and, and different parts of military and, and government. You know, I was able for this particular book, we uh, had made great friends in Egypt and we were able to use um, that, you know, that kind of experience that we had. We lived there during the um, Egyptian Arab Spring. And so we lived during the time of the overthrow of the, the president and the kind of chaos that ensued with that. So I was able to draw on that. And so I think being able, being in a position of being a military spouse and being able to kind of, you know, kick back ideas to different, you know, people and friends, it's given me a good network of resources to, to draw into and add the authenticity, authenticity to the story. Mm. Why is the novel set in a private security agency? What does a private security agency give you that another agency doesn't? Uh, the private agency allows me to, to bend the rules. So <laughs> most government agencies um, have a bureaucratic red tape that they must abide by and have to answer for things and can't just do what they need to do. And so having this private contract agency allowed me 
to let them bend the rules and kind of get around things. So in this particular novel, the CIA is not necessarily allowed to do um, in investigations or surveillance on, you know, um, here in the home in our home country they are they are they do that abroad and so it forces my CIA analyst to have to work with this with this agency to be able to kind of do what she needs to do in the United States and able and be able to find the spy yes well both the central characters Bryn and Jack certainly have a past and they've had a past together how, how does their past define them in the novel so I think for um, for each of them with Bryn, who is my heroine in this story, her past with Jack is she's always been career centric. She feels like she has to be in control of things. And for Jack, it's a betrayal, having to learn to trust um, this woman who betrayed him, you know, 10 years prior to their to this situation. And, you know, is she going to betray him again? Can she trust him? And having to be able to get over that and and for both of them to be able to trust one another and be able to go forward and lean on each other in their weaknesses and in their strengths to be able to, to, to fight the battle and, and beat the, beat the bad guy. Yeah. Why is trust so important in a relationship? Do you think be it a working relationship or a romantic relationship? Yeah, I think um, for trust has to be uh, you know, it's important. I think because we are in order to be able to, continue in a relationship and to make it work, you have to have a, a, a bit of vulnerability. You have to be able to express your weaknesses and, and then rely on the other person to be able to carry you through. And that, that requires trust. You have to know that if I'm going to be vulnerable, then I need to trust that you're going to accept that vulnerability, not use it against me, and that you're going to step up and, and, you know, carry the load where I can't. And if you can't trust the other person to do that, you tend to be, you know, closed fist and I got to control everything. And then it, it causes you to shut, you know, shut people out. So I think being able to trust and have trust in a relationship allows you to open up and be able to broaden your reach and broaden your, you know, your expectations on each other. To what extent is this a book about control and about the need sometimes to relinquish control? For Bryn, particularly, it's very much about control. She, um, her background with her father and the history that she has um, with events that happened in our in uh, in America. You know, her father was part of the 9/11 tragedy, tragedy, and that caused a lot of instability in her as a young girl. To see that insecurity, to know that the the safety that she had in her father was stripped away when he was injured, that caused instability in their home life and in order to feel safe again, she clung to control. If I can control everything from this point going forward, I can never feel unsafe again. And so she, she, she really maintains that control and where Jack starts to teach her like, Hey, you know, sometimes we can't control everything. We have to be able to trust that even in the things we can't control, they're going to work out if we do the best that we can. And we trust, and we trust in the Lord. And, and that kind of is where he comes you know, after their betrayal 10 years prior, he goes through something personal that teaches him that he's out of control just as much. And by releasing that control, he's actually grown more in the trust factor. Yeah. In what sense is God's sovereign control of events a theme in the novel? I think overall that that tends to be um, the main the main theme. I think when 
you know, Jack is reminding Bryn that, you know, you can't control everything. We have this person that's run loose in, in you know, the United States and there there's a terroristic plot that's threatening to take people down and you know, people are dying, you know, and she, she can't control it. And so uh, Jack reminds her that like, even when we can't control what's around us, we can trust that God is in control no matter what. And so good or bad, if we just continue to walk in faith, God, you know, we're going to see the goodness of God's control play out. In what sense is this a novel? I wonder about the promises of God. Um, I think for, you know, for Bryn, when I look at her and where, where she's come from, she's hung, you know, she's, you know, clung so tightly to having control. She's missing the opportunity that when you release that control and you walk out in faith and you trust God, you're allowing God to be able to do those miracles in your life. You're able to witness them because you're not trying to control everything and do everything on your own. You're saying like, okay, I can step back and let things happen the way God wants them to happen. And I think by doing that, she's allowing herself to witness what God can do in, in her life, which is the promise that like, I will take care of things and things will come around the way that they're supposed to. But if you keep trying to hold on to it and keep trying to you know steer the wheel, you're going to miss what I can do for you. And I, I think ultimately that that's kind of, you know, something in the story that I, I like seeing play out, even for Jack going through what he, what he went through in his personal life and then seeing Bryn come back into his life. He sees that, you know what, what I thought I wanted back 10 years ago, I still wanted, but I wasn't ready for it. And now I am ready for it. And they're much better for it, for that time that God gave them in, in between. Yes. I'm Bryn and Jack based on anyone, you know, um, no, actually not, you know, in my previous novels, uh, there was a little bit of, of family members in some of those that I could see, but I think Bryn and Jack are truly, um, individual characters that I didn't base off of anybody. Not even the name Jack Hudson reminded me of Rock Hudson, possibly. Yeah, no, it's, um, actually it's funny story. My very, very first novel that I wrote uh, well, while I was in Egypt and was working on that one uh, to, to pitch to editors and agents, it didn't go anywhere. But Jack Hudson was in that novel and he was he was still a CIA, but he was a CIA operative in Egypt um, and was working there. And so I was able to kind of bring him back to life in a new novel. And I'm really glad I did because I really enjoyed his, I really enjoyed his character. Mm, yes. And how does this first novel in the Snap Agency series introduce us to characters who are going to appear in uh, presumably more books in the series? Yeah. So in the first book, Lights Out, you're going to meet the Snap Agency team, which includes uh, Nicholas Garcia, Lila Fox and Keikoa Young. They're all a part of this team and they're just so diverse and dynamic. They each bring an individual skill set to the team. They're unique in their personalities. A lot of fun. I wish they were real because I would totally be their friends. Um, but I love that I'm able to, uh, I was able to create this team and then give each of them a personal story at, as the series continues. The combination of inspiration, this is a, I suppose, a Christian romance, isn't it? Inspiration, romance, and crime. It's a fairly unusual combination. It's not one I've come across all that often. Well, how does yeah. that, why does that combination appeal to you as a writer? Inspiration, I, romance, and crime all mixed together. I think, yeah, I, so I think what I like the best about doing a Christian romance uh, 
romantic suspense is that, you know, there's not, you still get the adventure and the excitement and the thrill and the, the heartbeat pace of like what's happening with the adventure, but you're able to like read through the story and not, you know, you don't, you don't cringe at any kind of super gory kind of things, you know? Um, and then the romance is, I feel very, I like to do very authentic romances. Um, I like things to happen in a natural uh, capacity. So there are some books that you might read that where, you know, you have the hero and the heroine and they just meet and they're dodging bullets and they decide to kiss. And for me, that's not really realistic. I mean, my husband's in the military. And if I asked him, you know, Hey, when was the last time you saw a soldier fall in love? Like while they're getting shot at, you know, in the war zone. And the answer is not really ever. So I really wanted to build the community and build that relationship and that slow romantic tension between my characters. And I think it's really nice to be able to open up a book, um, you know, read the heartfelt romance, the swoonworthy romance, and then have that tension that comes with the suspense. And at the end of it, there is still that promise of hope, both in the romantic relationship, but also in like that the good guy is going to win. Because at the end of the day, the Lord wins. And that's the, that's that's the story, you know. Yes. Well, I was going to say that the romance uh, reads very authentically to me. It's very flawed romance, if I can put it like that. This is romance with, with deep hurt in the past, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And I think, you know, I... I had I haven't done a character or two characters that has come back from a hurt relationship, and I think that was one of the things that I really wanted. Um, I really enjoyed writing with these characters because I think sometimes we, or I think probably all of us have gone through a deep hurt in a relationship. It doesn't necessarily have to be romantic, but we have all experienced that you know that deep hurt. And I think it was really nice to be able to write a story where two characters who experience deep hurt betrayal could see that like there is, we all come with backgrounds, we all come with baggage, we all come with our, our flaws, but we can overcome that oftentimes together, definitely through the Lord. And I think that that is one of the blessings that we have knowing that that's that promise from God that like, there can be happy endings and it doesn't mean you have to be perfect. You don't see the like perfect couples or whatever. You get to see flawed individuals having real relationships. Yes. In what sense do you think this, this book and these sorts of books help people think Christianly about relationships? I think, I think the most important for me, I think that if you have these characters who are flawed and I think it's realistic, I think most of us, you know, if, if we're, if we're honest with ourselves and we watch these romantic, you know, movies or, or uh, we read these romantic novels, we have to be careful because we see this projection of like a, a perfect person and we're not perfect. So I think when I write characters who have flaws or come with flaws or have setbacks, I think it helps uh, readers relate to a character and say, you know what, I can see a little bit of myself in there. I can see a little bit. And then if they see that that character is changing and they might have some thoughts that are like, you know, relevant to what they're experiencing in their own lives, I think that can only inspire hope and, and the promise that like, hey, you know, no matter what I'm going through, it can get better. There can't, there is a promise that that hope exists on the other side of whatever I'm going through. Was this book written for military wives as well? It wasn't written specifically for military wives, but uh, I mean, if I'm, I'm hopeful that they're reading it, <laughs> that sure they want to read it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel you can support the military and military wives through your writing? I do. I think, I think there's a couple of reasons why I think that that um, can happen. I feel like 
as a military wife, I know many of us um, are, you know, stay-at-home parent. You know, we're the stay-at-home parent. You know, we're the ones raising the family, holding down the fort while our spouses are, are serving in the military. And sometimes I feel like you get trapped in this idea that this is all I can do, all I can be. And I think part of the idea of like, you know, you can still do other things. You can be creative. You can do art. You can write books. You can, there's other ways you can contribute to, you know, bring a message to, you know, the military community or even outside of the military community, your reach is, 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 is endless. And so I think that this is um, for me to be able to write and, and be able to talk to other military spouses and say like, what is your dream? What's the thing you want to do? Let's see how you can pursue that. Like, don't, don't think that you can't do it just because you're, you're, you, you, you're a military spouse and you don't have access to, to resources or whatever. I think that that's a great way to be, in, you know, inspiring them. And, and, you know, I always love writing military, uh, you know, some sort of military character or, you know, theme in my story. It's important to me. It's important for the, you know, continued support of, of, of military. It's a, it's my family has long history with it and my husband. And so uh, it's something that will always be in, in my stories in some capacity, may not always be a, a main theme of it, but it'll be in my stories in some capacity. You've said, I think that there's a part of every story that stays with you after you've finished the final page. Now, what are the, some of the stories that have stayed with you the most? Do you want specific stories or you just yes, want please. If you will, if you can, oh, if you wish. Okay. Um, you know, so I, I would say that some of the stories that have stuck with me, um, I was just talking with someone today, you know, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. That's one of the stories that have, have really remained with me. I love the Chronicles of Narnia. I think I cry every time I read through that, through that series, um, for sure. Uh, I've read the, let me think, um, there's a book that uh, Joanne Bischoff wrote, um, Charlie and the Lionheart. That story was spectacular and really, I, I think I cried twice in that story. <laughs> so um, so the, the stories that tend to like linger with me are the ones that I, I feel like where there's a theme of, of overcoming, a theme where somebody is at a um, pivotal moment in their lives or they're making a decision or they feel less than and God shows his mercy and his grace and reminds that individual that they are more than what they are defined as by the community or the outside world. You know, I think that in all those books that I mentioned, that sort of comes out in those stories. And those are the ones that I think truly mean something to me. And so when I write my stories, I tend to go into that, you know, no one is defined by their, their past. No one is defined by their last mistake. We all have the ability to grow and improve and be better than what we think we are or what others say we are. So that's what resonates with me. Have you ever been defined by your past? Yes. Yeah, for sure. I think um, so for me personally, you know, I, um, I was a teenage mom and for a long time, I, people would always, I, you know, my, my husband and I, we got married. He, he was, you know, um, but people would ask me like, oh, you're, you're so young. You're so young. And it would embarrass me because I knew I was young and, and to say like, you know, ultimately I know they were trying to point out like, okay, how old are you? You know what I mean? Like how old were you when you had your baby? And I didn't like to, to tell people how old I was because I knew I would be judged by being a teenage mom. And I didn't want to be judged 
off of that one thing that happened. I wanted to be judged on like, how am I raising my babies? How am I, ra- you know, like my husband and I are, you know, together, we're cel- we just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary, you know, Congratulations. but that's what, thank you. But that's what God can do. And I think that that's what I like writing in my stories is that, you know, we all make mistakes. We're human. It happened, you know, there's things that we could do better on, but God is a God of mercy, grace, and compassion and forgiveness. And I think that that, you know, I definitely want to reflect that in my stories because I felt that myself. Is it important for you that your readers have a real emotional connection with your stories and with your characters? I, I hope so. That's always, that's always a hope for me when I'm writing because I have an emotional connection to my story and my characters. Um, I, you know, when I write my stories, I try to put as much of myself into it. I really, I really think about these characters all the time. I talk about them like they're my best friends. If, if you were to ask me questions about them, I, I would answer and you would think that they were really, you know, I knew everything about them. So um, I put a lot of emotion into my story. So it's my hope that there's something in each of my stories that a reader would become emotionally involved, that would, it would touch them on an emotional level. I think that's, that's the best part of being a reader and the best part of being a writer. So your characters have a backstory. Do you know what they have for breakfast? Usually I do. Usually I do. So if I was to tell you right now, I would say that like Jack Hudson probably had, you know, a bagel or something. Uh, Nicholas Garcia is a health nut. So he would have had a, a, you know, some sort of a protein shake or something like that. Uh, Kikoa loves to eat. So he would have breakfast tacos, whatever anybody brought in, he would have some of those bagels. He'd have breakfast tacos. He'd have whatever. And probably some, you know, Lucky Charms is I think his favorite cereal. So, um, and then, you know, uh, Lila would probably just eat whatever is available. She's, you know, kind of brings in the food. So (laughs) we're going to find out more about these characters, aren't we? Before we we finish, I've got to ask you the question that everybody will ask you about crime writers. Who are your favorite crime writers? Do you have any? So I have, I have, I have some that I would say would be my crime writers. Um, I like uh, Baldacci. I'm a big fan of the political thrillers by um, Joel Rosenberg. He's probably my auto buy for sure. Um, I am a huge fan of Lynette Easton, Lynn Blackburn and um, uh, Cara Putman. She writes legal thrillers. So, and Randy Singer, he's really great for, for, for legal thrillers. So I, those are my, probably my top ones I can think of right now. I've got to ask you this question as we close. If and hopefully when your novel is translated to what they used to call the silver screen yes. <laughs> in the old days, uh, who would you like to play your two central characters? Oh, goodness. Okay. So I do have um, in, uh, inspiration characters for them. I think um, for Bren, it would be Margot Roby. Um, that would probably be my, my character for, for Bren. And then for Jack Hudson, oh goodness, it would probably be a toss up between, um, well, I would probably do, um, uh, Clint Eastwood's son. I can't think of his first name. Uh, Um, I can't remember either. Yeah. I can't think of what his last name was. He would be good in the part. He would be. Yeah. Yeah. I think those would, those would probably be good. You know, not so much because I think that they're like spectacular, you know, um, but I think, I think the Clint Eastwood's uh, son would be great for it. And Margaret Roby would, I think would be perfect for the position too, because she, she kind of fits the personality. And when the screenplay is written, can we please leave the final lines in of the novel, which I'm going to quote, because I absolutely love them. (laughs) She says, as we close after everything's, 
resolved. And I'm not going to spoil the story for people because you're going to be on a roller coaster ride of everything happens. It's literally, it's, it's, it's an entire global plot. She says, Bryn says, kiss me, Hudson. And he says, as you wish. Yes. <laughs> it's got to stay in the final movie script. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Natalie Walters, the uh, uh, author of uh, this new uh, thriller, Lights Out, published by Ravel Publishing, which is a division of Baker Books. And I've got to say that you can order this book by visiting www.bakerpublishinggroup.com or wherever books are sold. Natalie, thank you so much for your time. Uh, where can people find you on the net? They can find me at my, I have a website, www.nataliewalterswriter.com, or they can find me on Instagram and Facebook. I love connecting with readers um, and fans there. So come, come, come see me and say hi. Yep. Everybody's got to go and visit Natalie's, uh, Natalie's social media page. And if you're an exec in Hollywood, pay attention. This is a good story and a good script. Make a good movie. Natalie, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. My pleasure. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story Podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to give us a rating and leave a review. This will help more people discover God's story for themselves. If you'd like to get in touch or learn more, please visit godstorypodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. That's godstorypodcast.com. Godstory Podcast.